I'm Monica Garski with NBC7.com. I love writing about San Diego, the people, places, and things that make it a special city to live and visit. I'm married to a chef, so keeping up with the culinary scene is a big part of my life. And together, my husband and I have two little girls, both sweet and sometimes a tiny bit salty, who we are raising to try new things, appreciate good food, and love the people, places, and things in our city. Hi, I'm Candace Wu, the founding editor of Eater San Diego, a site dedicated to breaking food news, covering restaurant openings, and offering local dining guides. I've been a freelance food writer in San Diego for more than a decade, writing about the restaurant industry, craft beer, farms, fishermen, and everything in between. I started my culinary career working in a restaurant kitchen before moving to restaurant reporting, so while I'm not a professional chef, I think I'm a pretty decent home cook. Thank you for listening to the Scene in San Diego featuring Eater podcast. On this episode, we talk about a few of the new restaurants that have opened across San Diego during the coronavirus pandemic, despite the new restrictions, ongoing changes, and challenges of these times. We're joined by our guest, Mike Morton Jr., co-owner of The Brigantine Inc., to talk about the local restaurant group's newest large-scale waterfront project, Portside Pier. Five years in the making, it's part of the Port of San Diego's redevelopment of the North Embarcadero, spanning a massive 42,000 square feet and multiple restaurants, including Brigantine Seafood and Oyster Bar, Miguel's Cocina, and Catch Grill and Taps. But of course, it's not just about what's newly opened these days in our local food and drink scene. Sadly, we've also lost many beloved San Diego restaurants to the economic impact of the pandemic, restaurants that held special places in our communities. We talk about some of those permanent closures on this episode too. Hello, thank you for listening. Candice, how's it going? Good. Hi, Monica. Hi. Okay, so this week we're going to dive right into a few of the big projects that have opened in San Diego during this pandemic. Believe it or not, there have been openings despite, you know, the really hard times right now, especially for the restaurant industry. So this time around, even though there have been a lot across the county that have opened, we're going to hit three parts of town. We're going to go Gaslamp District, Liberty Station, and downtown's North Embarcadero. So Candice, if you will do the honors of kicking us off, what has caught your eye recently in the Gaslamp? Well, you know, obviously the indoor dining ban continues to be tough on restaurants, but since San Diego's weather does give us a bit of an advantage, and Lumi opened in late June in the gas lamp before the whole dine-in ban, but since it's a rooftop restaurant, it's been able to stay open. Um, Lumi's on Fifth Avenue, and it serves Japanese-Peruvian cuisine. It's called Nikkei cuisine, and the chef, Kira Back, um, who's behind the restaurant, has the Michelin-starred uh, eatery in Asia. Interesting. Well, yeah, so those rooftop places are probably faring a bit better since that's kind of their whole business model. Um, and I know that Akira Back has a pretty interesting story and a, a global portfolio, really. Um, he was born in Korea and raised in Colorado, right? Right. And he's, um, I think, primarily based in Vegas. He has a lot of restaurants there. So... 
Over at Liberty Station, we have the Presley, which is another restaurant that just opened and thankfully has most of its seats outside. That restaurant replaced Fireside by the Patio there, which is a restaurant formerly owned by embattled business executive Gina Champion Kane, who recently pleaded guilty to defrauding investors in a $400 million Ponzi scheme, which really is a whole story for another day. But the Presley is a family-friendly eatery from Good Time Design, and that's the same group that runs the Blind Burrow and Moonshine Flats. Liberty Station has been one of those communities that, you know, really has embraced this outdoor dining initiative, and the Presley's design fits right into what they're doing there. Um, and then, Candice, just tell us a little bit about what's on the menu there. The chef is doing, you know, everything from flatbreads and sandwiches and salads to dishes like everything crusted seared ahi and grilled pork prime rib. The drinks include frozen cocktails like the classic lava flow and a mimosa made with Dole Whip. I think they're aiming to be family friendly, but also a spot for sort of boozy Sunday brunching. Uh, they, They plan to have live entertainment, too. Of course, when those restrictions are lifted, I'm sure a lot of our local restaurants are just itching to get some of that live music back. So the final stop on our tour of grand openings today is Portside Pier along downtown's waterfront. Portside Pier, like Candace mentioned earlier, is a $25 million project from the Brigantine Inc. featuring four restaurant concepts housed in one complex. It's the Brigantine Seafood and Oyster Bar, Miguel's Cocina, Catch Grill and Taps, and Portside Coffee and Gelato. And it's at the site of the former Anthony's that was there for more than 50 years. Very much an iconic space in San Diego's culture. Um, I do have to disclose that my husband works for that company. So that's about as far as I'm able to chime in here on this topic. But Candice, lucky for us, is well-versed in all things Portside Pier. So she's going to go ahead and take us to our guest. The Brigantine Inc.'s Mike Morton Jr. stopped by to speak with us about the Portside Pier and how it came together, pandemic and all. Congratulations on the opening. Thank you very much. We're super excited. It, it's uh, It's been a long time coming, literally over five years. So uh, we're really happy to be here today. Well, we know that this wasn't exactly the ideal time to launch a project of this magnitude, but can you tell us a little bit about what it was like to sort of manage and try to complete such a big undertaking during something like a pandemic? Absolutely. Yeah, it was, we were obviously about four months from finishing, from opening when the shutdown started happening. And so it was very nerve wracking. Construction was deemed an essential industry and they were able to continue on, but you're going, okay, great. We're continuing to build this thing that we're going to open, whether we didn't even know if we were going to be able to open because at that point we were closed across the board. And um, as things started up, we Memorial Day weekend when restaurants started to open back up, great. Okay, good. We're going to be done in July. Things are looking good. And then all of a sudden, right after 4th of July weekend, they took indoor dining away again. That being said, We've got a ton of outdoor space here, so we were very fortuitous. We didn't have a crystal ball. We just got lucky. And so of our 1,000 seats, we're able to seat about half of those around the property with proper distancing and outdoors. Right. So that's a really lucky thing, you know, in this time of of restrictions. So sort of looking forward and 
and considering that it, it could be, and I hopefully will be a really popular, crowded place to be this summer. How do you manage, how do you sort of plan to manage those crowds, you know, maintain safety pr- protocols, and then also provide the hospitality you want to? Right. It's inside the restaurant. It's much easier inside our restaurants. I should say plural because there are several restaurants here, but uh, we have the table spaced out. And if it, for example, I'm sitting upstairs at what we call top sale and there's an outdoor bar here. And so when, when guests do sit down at the bar, which they can do because it's all outdoors, we'll put signs on the stools next to them to ensure there are six feet between them and the, the next potential party. Where it becomes more difficult is the waiting areas and where people are queuing up. And so with technology these days, the open table that we use on both sides, it has texting of capabilities. So what we'll do is we'll put the person's name in the system and just say, hey, you're welcome to go walk around downtown, do whatever you like. And we encourage people to go. And what we can do is it'll hit them with a text when their table is going to be ready in 15 minutes so they can get back to the restaurant. Because the last thing we want is a bunch of people queuing up in and around the lobby of the restaurant. So again, we quick get the name in and then encourage the people to uh, go find some space somewhere. Right. Are you encouraging reservations? Are you accepting walk-ins too or, or trying yes. to restrict? Okay. We, uh, reservations are strongly encouraged. And, sorry, I've got a helicopter flying over. But uh, at Brigantine, we take reservations of any size. At Miguel's, we only take reservations six or more. And so Miguel's is going to be definitely more on walk-in focus. And the reason we don't take reservations smaller at Miguel's, it's just a quicker turn environment. And so we can get more people through. And it would really, especially with limited tables right now, it would kill us if we allowed re- smaller reservations. So Brigantine, we're fairly booked up reservation-wise. That being said, half the restaurant is allocated to our Oyster Bar and Lounge, which is walk-in, first-come, first-serve anyway. So we're in good shape there. So there's a lot of space. So considering, you know, you you run many restaurants and you have, you know, at, at when you're fully operational, sort of hundreds of employees, uh, you know, working with you, how, how is the company, you know, weathering the pandemic right now and sort of preparing for what, you know, what may come? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's, as mentioned earlier, it's not ideal. That being said, we're fortunate to have outdoor space at most of our restaurants. Of our 14 existing restaurants, pre-Portside Pier, we only have two closed. That's Point Loma Brigantine and Poway Brigantine, and they just have very limited, almost non-existent outdoor space. So it just didn't make sense. With Portside Pier opening, we've been able to give a lot of those staff members hours here at Portside to help us because it's great to have that experience in with the new restaurants here. So a lot of those people have been working with us, helping get us up to speed and train. So we've been able to keep most of our staff on, given not all the hours they had before, but we just try to rotate it and keep it in a fair manner because when we do get back up to full speed, we're going to lean on those people and we're going to need a full staff. So before Portside Pier, we had about 1,150 employees and we're still somewhere about 1,000 on payroll and then Portside Pier added two, 200 more jobs. Eventually, when we're full speed here, we'll probably have about 300 on payroll. So right now, we're currently sitting at about 1,200 employees as a company and keeping most of them gainfully employed. That, that's great. That's great. That's not, not that, unfortunately, not that common in this day and age. Right. Well, we know that we're, we're talking to you on the, your first morning of operation at Portside Pier, so we won't keep you, but appreciate, appreciate you and good luck today. Thanks, Candice. I really appreciate it. These openings are, of course, great news for our food and drink scene, but 
there's just no denying the other side of this coin, and that's the permanent closures of some local restaurants. The restaurant industry has been hugely impacted by the pandemic, and it's unfortunately resulted in a wide range of eateries across San Diego having to close, and not just during the pandemic shutdowns, but closing for good. Both NBC7 and Eater San Diego are keeping a running list of shuttered restaurants on our websites, but let's talk about some of those notable closures here. Candice, what hurts? Everything. I mean, it's so sad all around. And, you know, I unfortunately, this is not, know. you know, the only time we're going to be talking about this. But, um, you know, pretty recently, the Balboa Bar and Grill in Bankers Hill closed uh, to the disappointment of its many, many fans. Uh, it was known for its burgers. And the Fifth Avenue Bar was small and dark and cozy, which are all, all qualities that don't align with current health orders. So um, luckily, an offshoot of the Balboa opened last year in Chula Vista. And that location has patio seating. And so they're going to continue to operate. That's good. Yeah, I know that one was a big blow to the community over there. And a lot of our readers were so disappointed um, because the burgers are so good there. But um, yeah, I think that was just one of those, like you said, cozy neighborhood little places that was just always there. So that one's really sad. You know, I think in, in times like these, I think if, you know, places that have multiple locations, I'm seeing them sort of considering consolidation and sort of, you know, closing and under maybe an underperforming or more difficult location and and sort of sticking with what works in the current times. Yeah, we've talked a lot about that. I mean, I think it's just those tough choices that business owners, restaurateurs have to make. I mean, you either, you know, are treading water or you're swimming or you're just trying to figure it out. So it's just really sad to see some of these places have to go, though. Okay, so another big one was the closing of Whisk and Ladle, which was a major surprise. That restaurant was open for 12 years in La Jolla and was well respected for its farm to table menu. And it was also on Eater's list of the 38 essential restaurants in San Diego. The group behind the restaurant still has Catania in La Jolla, as well as Gravity Heights and Park Commons in the Sorrento Mesa area. So yeah, Whisk and Ladle, I mean, that's that's definitely a shocking one. Yeah, that was a sad one and, and kind of a shocking one, you know, because it's been there for so long. It's such a stalwart. And I know it's still admired by a lot of people. But I think, you know, it um, it was a small, fairly small restaurant and, and there are sort of newer um, projects or kind of larger and um, a little bit more broad and accessible. So I think uh, this is another example of sort of looking at what you have and and just sort of deciding to go with, uh, you know, what's maybe current and applicable to this climate. Okay, so what else is, is gone, Candice, but never forgotten? Well, it's not closed quite yet, but I think Waypoint Public is on its way out of North Park. It's been open for seven years on 30th Street, uh, but the gastropub owner has just put it up for sale. And, you know, he's, he told me that 
business just really can't survive on the fraction of sales that it's currently doing. You know, it's a 5,000 square foot restaurant, but it has a very small patio and the numbers just don't add up. And it's sad. I mean, I know you and I have shared a lot when we see these, a lot of these restaurants are, you know, letting their patrons know of the closures on social media and the posts are just, they're heartbreaking. I mean, they're, they're really, you know, talking about how much they've poured into these businesses and most of the posts, most of the time, you know, really thank their customers for their loyalty and all of that. But, uh, you know, they, they just can't make it. And so that's just the reality. And, and again, these are just a few of the closures. We've seen a lot in the last few months since the pandemic reached San Diego County. But uh, yeah, this time we just wanted to highlight those three. And as we hear about more closures, we'll always be bringing you that information on sandiego.eater.com and on nbc7.com's The Scene section. So make sure to, to look for that if you're, you're wondering about your favorite local restaurant. We have so many of the stories we talked about today in our Eater San Diego NBC7 roundups, which publish every Friday on the scene section of NBC7.com. You can also find everything we talked about today in our show notes article on both NBC7.com and SanDiego.Eater.com. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe to Scene in San Diego featuring Eater on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher, wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. We will see you next time with more to chew on.